Welcome to The Goddess and the Medicine Woman with Melissa McHugh and Sydney Decker. In this episode, we talk with Zeparella drummer and author Clementine Moss, whose book From Bonham to Buddha and Back takes you on an inspirational and meditative rock and roll journey. Come on in and join the conversation. Hi, Sydney Decker. Hi, Melissa. McHugh. <laughs> Did you, you forget my last name? You always For forget who I am. <laughs> well, it's so funny because like I'm just I forget that you have a different last name as me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is weird. You look like a floating head. You need to bring your thing. I'm gonna float. I'm a floaty. Oh, you're floaty head. today? Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you are. It's interesting. I watch that with you. Sometimes you're like a floating head and sometimes you're just like all up in here. And I'm just like, I wonder what that's all about. Yeah, today I just feel like being a floating head. So that's hilarious. I love it. But I did have a bird in my house. Okay. And I'm telling everyone because I thought it was cool. Yeah. And it means a lot of good things. Yes. Especially what was it? A sparrow or what kind? It was a little sparrow. Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Symbolism wise, it seems to be a positive thing. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to say the meaning meaning because I don't want everyone's input, energetic input on it. But <laughs> right, <laughs> we'll see what happens based yeah. on what it says and means. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, today we have another guest, which I'm so excited about. <laughs> Today's guest is Clementine Moss, and she is a founder and drummer. which makes me so excited. Not a lot of people on here know that I was a drummer in a past life. So that's why I'm so excited. And yes, Um, she is the founder and drummer of Zepparella with a busy solo career as a singer and songwriter. Her book, From Bonham to Buddha and Back, The Slow Enlightenment of the Hard Rock Drummer, uses her music career as metaphor for contemplative practice. Clem moved to New York City with a creative writing degree after college, and her writing path gave way to a musical one when she found drumming. Um, In 2016, she began her blog, Bliss and Drumming, and many of those pieces are found in various forms in and were the impetus for her book, Clementine is a Spiritual Counselor and a Non-Denominational Minister at the Foundation for the Sacred Stream. Um, Using the modalities of depth hypnosis, applied shamanism, energy medicine, sound healing, and morphic awakening techniques. Clem has an active healing practice, and she's certified in contemplative psychotherapy and conflict resolution. And I don't know if this is the right way to say this, a Vipassana meditator, Vipassana. A Vipassana. Ah, see, I knew I was wrong because I'm always wrong with those words. <laughs> Vipassana <laughs> meditator for over 30 years. Her study and personal practice spans many traditions. She lives in San Francisco with music manager and musician Tim Moss and Henry the Pug. Oh, her mm. writing has appeared in Modern Drummer Magazine, Memoir Magazine, and several other online publications. And you can find her at clemthegreat.com. So welcome, Clementine Moss. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. Hi, Sydney. Very happy to be here. Yes, I'm so excited Um, because I'm reading her book right now. And all I have to say is I was trying to explain it to Sydney before we started this, and I am enjoying it, um, not only because I've been a drummer in a past life, but also just the way that it's written. It's very meditative. And mm-hmm. I, I find like it's um, it's kind of like a song. It's like it just flows and it's like poetic and 
just the whole telling of the tale as a song in poetry, that's just kind of how I picked up on it. And then I would stop and she would send us to listen to a Led Zeppelin um, song in the middle of it. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah. And I could pick up these things that she's talking about. And then you come back and you start to read again. And I'm really enjoying it's just so such a different experience as uh, books go. Oh, thank you so much. That that really means uh, I can't imagine uh, something that I'd like to hear more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, I'd like for our first question really is just to kind of tell us about yourself and how you decided to dedicate your life to music um, at age 27. Were you a drummer like before that as a youth or you just, it just became a thing at 27? Yeah. I, um, yeah. Thank you for all of that. I, um, let's see. So yeah, when I was 27, I was living in New York city and I was, uh, considered myself a writer. I never considered myself a musician. I'd played piano when I was a kid for several years. So I had a musical bit of a musical background, but by the time I went to high school, I was kind of done with it. And, um, and just considered myself that I was going to be a writer. And I moved to New York when I was 21. And I was like, okay, I'm where all of my heroes uh, were. And um, I was just kind of floundering around, really. And uh, I had a big insight one day that I just had not, never lived. I didn't have anything to write about. That's what I felt. And, um, and I was really longing for some sort of creative endeavor that involved other people. And I have a very, um, I think I still do kind of have an immature idea of what's possible. You know, I just at that time, I thought, oh, maybe if I was a musician, then I could travel and work at the same time. And it didn't, you know, occur to me that I didn't know how to play anything. <laughs> and then around that time that I had that idea, I started, uh, my, I had my first drum lesson and that was just really transformative. I, I felt like I found my instrument. <clears throat> Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and uh, drumming just kind of took me over really quickly. You know, I started playing in bands and um, and then, uh, yeah, now here it is 30 years later and that's kind of, um, you know, and now I'm back to writing. You know, for many years I didn't write um, as I was kind of immersed in the music. And then um, probably about 10 or 12 years ago, I, that kind of hit me again. You know, I mean, I always kind of wrote but nothing, you know, I never, it was just, I wrote out a habit more than out of purpose. And then suddenly one day I started writing lyrics was the first way um, back to writing. And then um, from there uh, started the blog and, and then the book. So yeah, now I, I feel uh, that I'm kind of back to my writing self, which when I think about it is really interesting because I feel like that's kind of the, the core of me, you know, um, that's something that I was doing when I was eight years old. Um, recently, I heard a spiritual teacher say, you know, when people are are questioning what they should do in their life, kind of go back to what really lit them up when they were children. Um, and that, you know, and just kind of follow that, which I think a lot of is a lot of what, you know, Carl Jung was talking about and all that follow your bliss stuff. Um, but um, but now I kind of see it, you know, writing and drumming is coming from the same impulse, the same spark, uh, you know, that that big enthusiasm 
Um, and so, yeah, now that's where I am. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. So <laughs> like, did you always know though, like part of you, I mean, cause to be a drummer, you have to be very, you know, have rhythm. You have to have this sort of, you know, feeling all the time. Like as a drummer, I always, when I listen to a song, my mind goes right to the drum parts, uh, the, the, the other parts, you know, yeah, sure. They're cool and whatever, but it's always the drum that I hear loud, mm. you know, mm. louder than anything at all. Was that something that you always noticed about yourself or was not that not really anything you really know? Cause I guess, because maybe I noticed it because I started very <coughs> as a drummer, you know, like in school, where they right. give you the flutophone and then you start doing that. And then they start to put you in the places where they think that, you know, you're the best at. Right. And so I always had really good rhythm. So maybe I just always noticed that in life. Yeah. I, I realized when I started playing drums, it was when I realized like, oh yeah, I really, drums have been really important in my listening. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't put that together until I started playing. Um, but I would say even now, I think the thing I listen to the most is the lyrics. I mean, of course, in a, you know music that doesn't have you know a voice, I listen to um, you know the drums. But um, I think I'm called more to the the lyrics, and lyrics have uh, rhythm to them, you know, and um, and the rhythm of the lyrics I think is really um, important. And now when I'm writing songs and lyrics, I feel lyrics coming from the drum. You know, it's like I write the drum beat first, and then if I sit with a drum beat for long enough, a story starts to kind of come out of the drum beat for me and the words from the drum beat. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the way I kind of hear it. What is it about Led Zeppelin that you are so drawn to? Well, you know, it was um, so my father was a really um, uh, big music lover you know when we were kids uh every weekend morning like the stereo started cranking up at 8 a.m and we just listened to music all day long his favorite bands were you know the rolling stones and the beatles and um kind of more southern rock kind of stuff and um so i developed a real love of music early on from him and then um when i was um I, I fell in love with my clock radio, right, uh, and and radio station, um, and so I was kind of obsessively always listening to the radio when I was a young person, and um, and Led Zeppelin when Led, when I heard Led Zeppelin, it really just hit something in me, like I just I was captivated by it, and um, and it was also I think the reason that Led Zeppelin meant so much to me was because it was a split from my father, you know, it was like he it wasn't Led Zeppelin didn't really speak to him as much I think it was just a little too aggressive maybe he was more into kind of bluesy stuff and um, and so Led Zeppelin was mine. So I stayed up for three days um, over the course of a long weekend they were playing Led Zeppelin A to Z and I recorded. Um, it on cassette tapes, all the Led Zeppelin songs. So, um, yeah, so that's, um, uh, that was kind of my, it was like my first real love, you know, of that, of music that was my own. Yeah. And how did that, like, what, 
I'm trying to think back on like growing up for me, I went through different phases of listening to different types of music based on my internal process and what I was feeling internally. And I am imagining that you have somewhat of an idea of what that is like because of all the spiritual stuff that you've also done. So what, where were you when you really, in your mind, because you were saying like it kind of was the separateness from your, your father and stuff, was this, you finding this and then finding drumming, did that kind of set you on your path? You know, finding the music, finding like Led Zeppelin kind of was your own and then you started to kind of go, I want to kind of see how, because music is such a big part of your being and your journey and I want to see how that kind of got you on to more of this spiritual deepening yeah that's a great question um I will say that uh, music was a great escape from a lot of internal struggle when I was um you know when I hit puberty you know puberty is difficult for most people but it was really difficult for me um I felt that I didn't I had a hard time connecting um, with the people in my life. And I just, I felt like, you know, I, I grew up in a, a really, um, I'm very fortunate for where I grew up, you know, in Southern California, it was, um, you know, I had loving parents and loving family. And um, yet I, I never felt in the right place in a way. And, um, and so music was a way of connecting to an idea of what was possible in the future, like a world bigger than mine. Um, and that's what I, I took solace in it because I was so um, unhappy within myself in that feeling of not fitting in. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so music was really, um, a way for me, the music and literature were the two places where I escaped and just dreamed. And it's funny that um, recently I've realized in the past, you know, maybe 10 years or so, I came to the realization that my whole life, I had been just looking forward so intensely, you know, like looking forward into what was possible, looking forward into where I was going, looking forward, you know, into um where i was supposed to be and um you know i think a great benefit of getting older is you come to a point at one point where you say what if this is where it is what if i'm here already um and that's a great it's as if layers of anxiety and stress fall away you know um and um so i i feel like um you know, when I think about music and I think about art, I feel like it is really that dream of, of potential, that dream of possibility. Um, but there is a little bit of a, a kind of an anxious pull to it. Um, and when I just w allowed myself to just be okay with what was in the present, then it's as if music then becomes a way of of expressing the joy of the moment. And I think that's kind of where I've come to now, which is why I, you know, I've been playing Led Zeppelin's music for 20 years and, um, you know, people are like, are you still doing that? And um, <laughs> it's, but it's just such a, um, 
there's just so much joy in it. You know, it's, it's music that connects to people. I have people tell me, I was listening to Zeppelin when I had my baby, or I listened, we had, you know, I walked down the aisle to Led Zeppelin, or we were there, you know, we had a, a show this weekend and this woman came over and she said her father, she had moved in with them and he was in hospice and was at the end of his life. And, um, and that he loved Led Zeppelin so much. And we did a little video for him and, um, you know, uh, they'd been playing Led Zeppelin a lot and it was a great solace for him at the end of his life. I mean, that's so powerful, you know? And, um, so for me to really feel the music as a celebration of now, of our connection now, I think, um, that's yeah. kind of know if that answered your question it, you know yeah i think that that's really cool though because i was thinking while you were talking about i had such a similar journey and mine was with the grateful dead so mm -hmm. i was always you know following the grateful dead and i felt the same way like i was always using it as an escape i was moving forward always looking into the future as i was because it felt like i was running away from because i didn't feel like i could connect with anyone either but i found my place there but I was always moving forward. I was never settled in it at all either, you know, and that was when I finally realized that I was actually running from instead of, you know, I just thought that I was going places, but I wasn't, I was actually running from my mm -hmm. life and traumas and different things like that. But that music helped me though, during that journey where I didn't really know what was happening, but I could find some peace in that music you know, mm -hmm. so it was kind of the same type of process. So I completely get that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Where did you start to meld the music with your spiritual journey? Well, that was kind of interesting because um, in the same year that I t started learning drums or took my first drum lesson, it was my first time taking a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And, um, and in that, um, in that retreat, um, I had a big experience, um, as many people do when you're completely quiet for 10 days and listening to, um, that your insides, um, and, um, and that kind of set me on, um, I mean, I had always been connected to, uh, a sense of the bigger picture, um, both through literature and through these kind of ecstatic experiences that I'd had as a little kid. Um, I always had this sense of this bigger thing. And, um, and then in the retreat kind of happened at the same time that drumming happened for me. So, um, so, so music in a way was a way of expressing the or or connect i started to connect the stillness i found in meditation in contemplative practice with that stillness i found in the middle of a rock club you know like that that center of myself as i'm as i'm trying to play the parts trying to let the music come through me you know you kind of have to fall into that center of yourself as well you know um and so over time that deepened that connection between the two deepened um, more and more and now i see um, 
you know, I see drumming as the perfect expression of being fully in the moment, but then also being able to, you know, I, I've said this many times, but I feel as if the music is playing me when I'm in that center of myself, when I'm in that, that place of no thought, that place of, um, of, of stillness. And it's almost, I, I say the word channel, but that has such a weighted thing as if, you know, um, these days, but it really does feel as if music is finding an outlet to flow through, you know, I think kind of in the way that maybe in shamanism, a shaman sees it themselves as uh, they call it a hollow bone, right, where spirit is coming through them. Um, I've made that connection now between playing music and um, and helping others where it's <clears throat> it's kind of that same that same still place within us. When did you start to help people? Because you work and you help. So how did that start? <clears throat> yeah, I um, so I uh, found the foundation of the sacred stream. So I, I was in a contemplative psychotherapy program for a couple of years um, through the Nalanda Institute in New York. And then from there, I found the sacred stream uh, in Berkeley, California. Uh, it's a um, it's a school, they call it a school of consciousness studies. And um, the main teacher, his name is uh, Dr. Issa Gucciardi. And she's um, developed a, a way of helping people that um, called depth hypnosis that combines uh, Western psychology, especially transpersonal psychology, which um, takes spirit into account in a Western psychological setting. And then um, Buddhism, especially Tibetan Buddhism, because it has its ba uh, a lot of basis in um, shamanism, the Bun tradition in Tibet, um, and then uh, and shamanic practice, traditional shamanic practice, and um, and she melds those three things into a counseling model, so that we are doing things like um, past life regression, um, soul retrieval, power retrievals. Um, things like that, but we're doing it in, in a kind of therapeutic setting. And we're actually helping the person, the client, I'm helping the client in a way become their own shaman. They're connecting to their own metaphoric system. I'm not doing, I mean, I have been trained in traditional shamanism where I'm the one do it going on the journey. I'm the one collecting the power or the soul retrieval, doing that kind of work and coming back and gifting it to the client. But in depth hypnosis, um, we see it more as if the client is going on their own journey and we're the guide to help them to come to the information. That's um, really cool. I yeah. really love that because it's just seems like the old ways are moving into this new way where we're recognizing that everyone does need to be their own guru, their own shaman. And so that's interesting. Now you are trained in both of these different ways, was it easy for you to accept that as a shaman, that you're now helping people become their own shaman? And how does that look? Because I know some people struggle with like, oh, no, this is how we do it. And this is how we've always done it. But in the new energy, we're being asked to guide people into becoming their own healers. So how well, did that feel for you? Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about the way that uh, that Isa teaches, because um, she 
she's kind of she's a small wonderful woman who's very ferocious about making sure that you understand that shamanism is about power right and it's about um uh, uh it's about healing is about coming into your own personal power not power directed outward power your own personal power and so for a, a shaman to be in integrity they are in their own power and they're there to allow the or to help the client come into their own power right they're not give they're not taking power they're not giving power they're sh they're shining a light on their own power and she's very um i learned both modalities at the same time we called it applied shamanism um, and uh, depth hypnosis and I learned them both at the same time and um, so it was in really um, a balanced way of being able to recognize all of the ways for instance when I'm working with someone and, and I have a thought like uh oh what should I say I realize no Clem is coming in that's not, I don't know. Clem doesn't know. I barely can function you know, <laughs> a lot of the days. I'm not the knower, right? The, the spirit is the knower. They, the person is the knower, you know, and I know to, to fall back into that still center and allow, allow the work to happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, the sacred stream has many um, courses. They have courses for, um, and they're all very. Um, the way they do it is because they know most people who study these things have other jobs and other things. So you can kind of take it piecemeal. You know, it's not like this. You have to spend ten thousand dollars and go. You can take a two hundred dollar class and you know learn the shamanic journey or um, you know, and it all kind of applies towards a bigger program. So. Um, you know, they uh, also, um, she also has a, a method of conflict resolution for groups. Um, uh, and that's really helpful as well. So, um, yeah, anybody interested in, in any kind of uh, any of that sounds interesting, I would I would recommend taking a look at the sacred stream and what they have to offer. Yeah, I would like to hear your journey with that, like what it was like for you to start seeing things, feeling your own power. Yeah. And what that means for you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that a big way that I came into spiritual seeking was because I had such a negative internal voice. And um, a lot of that had to do with, you know, I grew up in Southern California. There's a lot of pressure on image and, and looks. And um, so I developed a, um, eating disorders and just a lot of self attack, right? Through, and that, carried throughout my life it's still something i'm unraveling and working through right and i notice that when i'm um when things don't go right in my life the thing i do is i turn it in on myself and i attack myself so kind of early on there was so much suffering in that and um and you know and then a lot of self-attack as well thinking like this is my struggle you know you're like feeling really like so many other people struggle in such a different way um in such intense ways and this seems so trivial you know and then that was more of my self-attack <laughs> that i was trivial but you know suffering is suffering and um 
where I started um, to find out like, what is that voice, you know, in that first meditation retreat, when I was um, able to listen and hear that voice like a megaphone and realize how much of it was attack and judgment of myself constantly. That's been a big um, part of my spiritual seeking. So in a way, I kind of look at it as a gift I was given because it really brought me into trying to understand myself, trying to understand, you know, um, where that came from. And so all of the the classes, all of the study, all of the the different things I've done in my life as far, as far as the spiritual stuff has been to understand what that is. And then also in the back of my mind, also feeling like I would really like to help people understand their own, you know, the parts of themselves that really do keep them back as well, hold them back. And um, when I, um, so when I started studying, um, you know, uh, shamanism and the drum came out, you know, when I did my first class of the shamanic journey and the, the drum came out, I just was like light bulbs came on in my head, like, oh, this might be where I've been coming to my whole life. Um, and it really just felt like I was in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cause cool. That's the thing with, um, shamanism is the rattling and the drumming and finding the beat and the beat helping your internal beat and bringing that out so when you heard that shamanic drumming what was that like for you yeah because basically when i'm looking in your energy you are a i want to try to find the words a tool like you are a drum. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It's like, you're a human being, but there's like a part of your purpose that you are that hollow space that brings that vibe in. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily that you have, like for me, my purpose is to be a light, right? I go and I shine light and it's actually to use my actual voice and share what it is that I'm seeing and trying to translate that for other people. Yours is not so much, not to say that your voice doesn't matter. It's not so much your voice and the words, particularly as it is that vibration mm. that you create through what because like you said at the beginning it's like when you hear a drum it starts to talk to you you can actually like i can translate the unseen realm for people mm -hmm. you can translate vibration like that for people so mm -hmm. it's just a very interesting purpose that i've not really come across with someone that is basically is a drum <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like the heart drum because we're all getting brought back to our hearts and what does our heart do what is our heart our heart is a drum mm -hmm. it's always drumming so mm -hmm. I just kind of want to feel like your, what that was like for you when you felt that drum internally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's see. I think the first, even before you know, I learned how to do this, I think the first time that I encountered the drum in a sacred setting that way was uh, during an ayahuasca journey. Um, I did that twice and um, and 
both times I had this experience as the medicine kind of came, uh, started to kind of come over me. Um, I had the, the shaman was playing a drum and both times I had this crawling feeling that I needed to get up and take that drum away from him. And I kept feeling like, what a rinky dink shaman. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know I need to go get that drum. And afterwards, after the journeys, I was so embarrassed that I had had that thought. Like, what is that? It's <laughs> hilarious. Like, Just because you have a drum, you think you're the only one who has, can drum, you know? But I, I really did both times. I just, I felt so angry that they didn't know what they were doing with the drum, which was so ridiculous to me because I'm, I wasn't a shaman. I didn't even know really what a shaman was at that point. Um, and then later on when I learned the shamanic journey and I, I was like, oh, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe there was a little bit of something where, you know, not that I needed to take it away from him, but maybe that, you yeah. know, I too. It was awakening in you that you just right. needed to recognize that in yourself. Maybe. That, hey, maybe this is part of who I am. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, and the shamanic journey, I mean, it, it, it immediately, I understood it, you know, immediately it felt like realms I had been traveling already you know it made a lot of sense to me yeah that's cool yeah so like what what does your day like I'm trying to like see who you are here like what would your day look like because like okay you're a rock and roll drummer who's a shaman <laughs> who's like in this all these different helping and hypnosis and doing all these techniques with people. So is it like, you know, you're in this room helping people during the day. And then as the evening comes on, you go out around a fire and you do some, you know, rattle shaking and then you <laughs> just don your <laughs> rock and roll clothes and you go to a club and you just jam out. I mean, like, what does it look like for you? Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, every day, I feel like every day is different for me, which is kind of nice, you know, to have a life like that. Um, you know, when I'm in rock mode, when I've got shows, you know, I'm the the manager as well. So I got to, you know, it's just nonstop work. Um, so, you know, every day requires me to, you know, first connect to my guides, connect to, um, you know, that sense of prayer within me that that just connecting to source um and then a lot of work around you know business right this is a business so i have business stuff to do and then i'll have um calls i i work with people uh on the phone or online so um so that means that i can i don't have to go anywhere to work with uh clients um, and so, you know, I, um, I try to keep it so I can really devote myself to the people that I, you know, that I'm working with. Um, so I don't have too many clients at any given time. Um, and then I try to find time for writing and, you know, it depends if I have shows, then my life looks one way. If I have a week where I don't, then I get to settle a little more into that, that, that more contemplative mode. So, um, yeah, every day is different right now. I'm down in Southern California visiting my mom for four days. So that's real nice. Nice mom energy. <laughs> we love that. Yeah. It helps us grow. <laughs> it does. I know. I know. I got lucky. That's for sure. And now what's your band look like? Yeah. How is it just women or you have women and men in your band or? 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, three other women, uh, Gretchen Men, uh, Holly West, and Anna Christina. And um, they're all amazing lights on the planet. Um, and uh, yeah, Gretchen and I have been playing music for 22 years together. So um, it's a long time, 22 yeah. years, yeah. Now, are they also on such a deep spiritual journey as you are, or is there different levels in, in the band? There are different levels. There are different understandings. Everybody has their own thing, kind of the way we are musically. You know, it's like we meet at Led Zeppelin and then we go out and we all have our own kind of veins of of interest in music. And um, it's the same way in spirituality. Yeah, but we're all I mean, I think the guiding principle in all of them is to really try to be a light on the planet, to try to, you know, connect to the good and and uh, and and recognize how um, recognize gratitude, how lucky we are that, you know, we have, um, we have what we have. Yeah. And what is the, um, I'm not going to say it correctly, the vip- Vipassana? Yeah. Vipassana. Yeah. Vipassana. Yeah. So, um, Vipassana, um, so it's a, um, Vipassana is a, a meditative, um, technique or it's a br- kind of a branch of Buddhism. It's a, and it's insight um insight meditation is another way of saying it and so um <clears throat> there's a there was a, a gentleman sn goenka he was um from burma actually and then moved to india and um he uh was kind of a master in vipassana and what vipassana meditation is is it's insight meditation and it involves sensation on the body Right. So you're trained the first three days of a 10 day silent retreat. You're looking at your upper lip and you're just bringing your attention to your upper lip, all sensation. Oh, itchy, tingly, hot, warm, all that stuff. You're continuing focusing on the upper lip. And then uh, after the third day, you learn to put your attention at the top of the head and go down inch by inch down your insight through the body to observe sensation. Now, what's the purpose? The purpose is to notice that here's my upper lip and there's a tingly or itchy sensation. Do I reach up and itch it? No, I realize, okay, itchy. Maybe next time I come to that part of my lip and observe, it'll be different or it'll be the same, but what's it like to not react? And so really what we're doing is we're learning what it's like to observe without reacting. And in doing that and in putting your the front attention of your mind on this little task, right, which is to bring it, bring um, our awareness in that pinpointed awareness into um, sensation, what happens is the that bigger awareness behind um, our awareness begins to open. So I, I liken it to, you know, when the Buddhists talk about, you know, right mindfulness and how important mind is in, um, in insight, it's because our minds are valuable tools that we can put to work, right, to, to observe. But then there's also that awareness factor. And so we're both in the world, very present in the world, noticing exactly what's happening on my upper eyebrow in the world. We're not escaping, but we're also opening wider and wider and wider to that stillness within us that never changes. 
Um, so I, these uh, 10 day, you, if you go to Dhamma, D-H-A-M-M-A dot org, um, there are probably 400 Vipassana um, centers around the world. It's donation only. Everybody who is in the Vipassana organization gets donation only. Um, uh, so you can go for 10 days and meditate and all your food is taken care of, your housing is taken care of, and it's completely donation, whatever you can afford. Wow. Uh, oh, and it's been God. like that since I think the 80s, 70s or 80s. So um, it's a it's a great resource for people who are really looking to investigate their internal life. And it's a great gift on the planet um, that they do that. And um, it's also the most difficult thing that many people have ever done. I was going to just say that. I was like, just you talking about it was making me squirm. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no. My brain's like, no, don't even think about this. This is crazy. <laughs> it's it. amazing. It's amazing where your brain goes. It's amazing all of this stuff that happens. And don't it's you even think about it. Don't you even write your name down on any lines that have anything to do with that. That's what my mind said. I'm like, oh, this might be something that you need. <laughs> I know. It's amazing because actually at a certain point, the not speaking, because it's not just not speaking, it's not gesturing, right? It's like you are in your own little world and you're really with other people in their own little worlds. And um, uh, but the, it's kind of a relief. And like I said, what happens is all of the internal voices, all the stuff that's always swimming around. For me, it just became one big megaphone, just my internal voice, just, I mean, and what a gift to hear that, you know, what's it saying? What is my internal world saying to me? Yeah. Yeah, that's when I met Ralph, and me and Ralph <laughs> did not get along for a while, because <laughs> I started just, I've never gone anywhere and done anything like that particularly, but I've... um I want to say back in 2017, something came over me and I just turned my TV off and I didn't turn it on and I didn't pick up a book and I would have to go to work and stuff, but I would come home and I would sit in silence um, or I didn't have a dishwasher at the time and I would wash or I would wash my dishes. And at the time it was me trying to get to know myself because I was going to start my business and stuff. But I remember how not distracting myself I wouldn't even read anything like I would just sit there in my house and it got it was really really wild for some time but that's when I found my um suicidal voice because I used to I struggled a lot with suicide and intrusive thoughts and man just sitting there not anything happening and it would be like see the craziest stuff and I started to realize like okay this isn't me you know, and I was doing self-happy yoga at the time. So I was doing a lot of like coming home to myself. Um, I didn't really realize now I can look back on it and realize what it was. But I kind of was just following my intuitive guidance. And yeah, that's when Ralph and I started to realize, Ralph, buddy, we don't need to jump off a bridge tonight. You know, like mm -hmm. I'm not I started to kind of see it and like talk to it and make it a friend. Mm -hmm. And oh, he pops up every once in a while. But it got loud. Wow. Well, it, it's really, um, it's amazing to realize a lot of the time those, um, you know, those, those attachments we have, those things, those voices that we have within us, even if they feel really destructive, there's some part of them that's trying to help, mm -hmm. right? And to say, okay, you're, 
you're here to help me, but you're not helping me right now. And so let's make a deal that I'll do what you think, you know, I'll be safe. I'll do what I can be do to be safe, but you're going to have to be quiet. <laughs> and then I'm going to go to a shaman and I'm going to have you <laughs> find <laughs> a better place to be. <laughs> yep, exactly. You just take it deeper into your healing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But the, um, yeah, sitting in, and I, I love that you did that and turned things off. Gosh. I, I look at the world these days and I think, man, if the if our all if it all went quiet for a little while, you know, it might be real helpful for folks. Yep. Um, and and to learn to not, you know, the the Buddhist idea of suffering is that, you know, a craving, aversion, ignorance, those are the things that cause us suffering. Right? We're always wanting something to be the same. We're pushing away the change. And to be just okay with what is, is um, a great gift. And, uh, you know, to train your mind to be okay with what is without adjusting your seat, without reaching up and scratching your head, without, you know, without changing anything and just observing it, um, I think can be, it's a great, uh, a great help. Yeah. I'm sorry you were suffering with that, Sydney, that sounds... That sounds really scary. Thanks. It's gotten a lot better. It's not scary. Now I like see it, like I said, and there's Ralph and there's Bert. (laughs) There's a few of them up there. So now they're friends and now they can, now I'm just like, Bert, buddy, go away. Like, go to your corner. I don't even need you to get up out of your seat. Sit. (laughs) Like, So it's good because now I'm like we were saying at the beginning of, it's all about coming back to your power. It just gave me rather them than those voices being in charge. Yeah. Cause so many times we think those voices are in charge because they're right. loud and we can hear them and you yeah. can't intuition doesn't speak in voice intuition and the truth of who you are speaks with all of you. So yeah. you have to be willing to hear it. So how do you do that? You have to first turn everything off so you can start to hear that. And then you can start to see what's true truly your voice and what are those things that you've adopted and like you said also I started to realize that especially with the suicidal thoughts that in a weird sick twisted way I loved myself so much I was willing to take myself out of anything that was hurting me yeah and recognizing that oh okay I'm willing to take myself out of this situation how can I stay in the situation now? If I have this escape route, which is the most extreme escape route there is, that's cool that that's there, not in a cool way. I'm not saying that, but that's good that that I love myself that much, but how can I love myself to stay? Yeah. You know, so because we can always run away, we can always escape. And that's something that has helped me a lot too, because I left home. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell like my I was kind of having this like existential crisis because my aunt came out to visit me and my cousin came out and it was so good because we were in our healing place and we were all laughing and getting along and then they were gone and I kind of had this like hangover almost of like Mm -hmm. the love and all the stuff and missing them and like um it was funny because I actually told me I was like I miss you she's like yeah 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 I was like I did 
did I really say that? Did yeah, I just say you were, that? you were like doing because you were back to work. You were like, oh, I know, I like that type of, not in a mean way or <laughs> oh, anything. Okay, but okay. then it made me realize and like think about home and going home. And everyone knows that if I moved home, it's not a good idea. But I realized kind of like with the suicidal, like I can always leave. I can always go back. But that's comfortable. That's what I know. That's what can I keep moving forward, right? Kind of like you were saying, like, how can I stay in this moment and keep moving forward? And that's mm-hmm. what I started to realize and create a new voice, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely worth what I'm trying to say here for our listeners is it's definitely worth getting silent to hear that voice because like you said that voice is actually only just another route to your love and the love for yourself even though it's like twisted <laughs> yeah yeah i i remember um i read this book called from here to here um and the um the person's um idea was that our thoughts are really just physiological processes Right. So we have these processes that digest our food and move our blood and, you know, all of the things that happen in every moment that our body is doing and that our thoughts are the same. Our thoughts rise up from our biology um, due to our DNA and due to our experience. Right. And we think that our thoughts are us. And it's very empowering to realize we are not our thoughts. Our thoughts just rise and we're we that other place behind the thoughts the person watching the thoughts the person listening to the thoughts that's the person to connect with and i think that that's exactly what you're talking about sydney is is connecting to that part of yourself that can see those thoughts see where they're coming from name them give them funny voices you know it's like if bert talks in a donald duck voice he becomes a lot a lot less uh, <laughs> uh, uh, threatening, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and so being quiet, I think, can really help help us. And also, connect. too, it's like, for example, me having that connection, feeling, and um, missing my aunt, my cousin, when they're gone. It's also too like you can see too when you sit in silence when people like because I didn't take it personally, and she was like, "Yeah, like I miss you too," and like was tick click 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 because that silent thing that I can tap into, I know that she did, but then you can start to see that people, you don't take things as much personally because you can start to see that they're just sputtering or their voices or they're doing their things or they're in their space and you can kind of lovingly detach because it didn't like hurt my feelings because I was like, I know her and she's like doing her stuff and then um, was like typing and whatever. And I just, but I could feel that field of love too so it actually helps us to not take as much personally too and keep creating those old thoughts too because if you can start to detach and not be so take your own thoughts personally you know and you can also take other people's stuff less personally that's just kind of like what i've helped myself to see well that's and that's an incredible insight and that really i to me that it really is um the pinnacle of all of the spiritual stuff that people are talking about these days the thing to really keep in mind is that the point of it is to develop that kind of compassion 
where you've worked so hard on yourself to develop your compassion and that at a certain point what happens is your heart cracks open and you can Mm -hmm. feel other people so clearly and that really is the point and i think it gets lost these days because we have a self-help mentality of you know wanting to be better people wanting to be our you know our our um you know our our best at our highest potential and all of that kind of stuff but the the thing that gets lost in that is that the purpose of it all is and i'm going to use this word but that christ-like right that christ consciousness um not that we have all have to be christians i'm just talking about that that consciousness that says that um you know what is good for me is good for you what what your pain is my pain right that we are connected in this way that we are one that um that i've come to a place where i have infinite compassion for my own suffering and in that i can have infinite compassion for the suffering of those around me even though when they're behaving like idiots you know, <laughs> um, to be able to see into bad behavior, into the suffering at the core of bad behavior. I feel mm-hmm. like that really is the the way that we solve our problems um, ultimately. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. But now I must stop us because it is time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Just started. get started. I know we already, we keep saying we're going to start doing three hour podcasts because we just start getting amped up at the hour mark. So it's like, <laughs> so it starts to get good and deep. And then we're just like, okay, it's time to go now, <laughs> but not quite yet because it's time for the deep dive five. I'm going to ask you a series of five questions and mm-hmm. you answer whatever way you see fit. Long answer, short answer. It's up to you. Okay. How do you define spirituality? I think it's coming to our own understanding of um, of how to um, understand our purpose um, and what carries us that 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 energy that light that carries us through life, um, and I think that's unique to each person. Um, I guess that's kind of what I would say. Yeah. What is your favorite self-care and healing activity or practice? Uh, it's sitting quietly, sitting in meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your heart's greatest wish? For that, um, a wave of understanding of how important compassion is to, to, to move through all humans, um, that we begin to, um, recognize that the people that we want to help, you know, lead society, lead, um, um, lead the world into, you know, fixing the problems that, uh, it's coming from compassion that we, that we, we vote for people who seem to have that at their heart. And what makes you laugh or brings you joy? I could, I could talk for the rest of my life about that. Yeah. So many things bring me joy. People, people would bring me joy. And my dog. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you believe happens when we die? Uh, I believe that we, um, we are in uh, love, that we're in the energy of love, which I believe is at the base of all existence and all knowing. 
Um, I believe that, um, I kind of hope that it's like in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, um, where we go through, you know, uh, uh, all of the different levels of dissolution and end up in, in love. And um, I do have a belief in reincarnation. I've had it since I can remember. I keep trying to talk myself out of it. I can never do it. So <laughs> I think we come back. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for showing up here today. That was really cool talking with you. Very, very interesting. And do you yeah. have like uh, your um, band? Are you on YouTube or anything like that to see you, see you guys play? Yeah, Zepparella.com. Yeah, Zepparella is Z-E-P-P-A-R-E-L-L-A. Like Barbarella, not Cinderella. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much. It was really a gift to get to connect with you. Yeah, Yeah, thank you for coming on and thank you for the unique path that you're walking. Thank you. Yeah, and everybody can find you um, at clemthegreat.com yeah and this is uh, your website um for all your all your things book purchase links your band and music information and your spiritual counseling practice so anybody that wants to get a hold of uh clementine moss just go to clemthegreat.com thank you yeah all right well thanks so much um everybody that's listening today for showing up here for us, for yourself, and for the world. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you would like to connect with Clementine Moss and get a copy of her book, head on over to her website, clemthegreat.com. The link is in the show notes. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.